Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rant Show on AM 770 KTTH. We are streaming on the KTTH smartphone app. South Seattle continues to be ravaged by crime and they say enough is enough. But what are they going to do about it? That is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. I hear this a lot. Enough is enough. We are no longer going to take it. A community group got together and they protested what they saw was an increase in crime and a city that doesn't seem to be all that interested in doing anything about it. We get that story many times, usually, by the way, in South Seattle. We get these stories a lot. And it's certainly not a new issue that South Seattle is dealing with. And it's not the first time they've asked for something to be done, only for their asks to be ignored. Now, in this case, there's been some renewed concern because Asians are targeted by a group of black teenagers or maybe young adults, like early 20s, anywhere between three and seven, I've seen. And they are specifically going after, with these armed robberies, Asians. Now, 14 out of 15 incidents had Asian victims. Now, one of them, as we talked about, I think it was last week, ended up getting tased by this monster who tried and successfully robbed this homeowner. Gun was pointed directly at his head. Kim Khan Van is a spokesperson for the man, a family member who's speaking on his behalf because he doesn't speak English. They're Vietnamese. And she said to Como TV, the, the victim is still traumatized. Said he keeps repeating to me in Vietnamese because I, I speak Vietnamese. I think that, that the way he says am an, like just flashback, he just gets this, um, he can't sleep at night, nightmare. I can't say I blame him, right? I mean, I would be traumatized by that as well. But don't call it a hate crime. Make a note of that. Even though it's a group of black teenagers targeting Asians, it's not a hate crime. Okay. Now, if it was white guy targeting Asians, it would be a hate crime inspired by MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump for being a xenophobe because COVID is back in the news. That's what it would be. But in this case, we're not supposed to call this a hate crime. So yesterday afternoon, a bunch of community members got together. They wanted to call for action to address the crime crisis. But nothing will happen. They can ask for this all they want. They can hold as many press conferences as they want. Nothing will happen. Because you have a council that has... Two people who are reasonable, one of whom is leaving at the end of their term coming up. And the other one is Sarah Nelson, and she doesn't have many allies because she happens to be like a normal person. And she actually showed up to this event yesterday. So I wonder to myself, where is Tammy Morales on all this? Where is Tammy Morales on all this? Tammy Morales is the council member who represents this neighborhood. She is, in fact, up for re-election. And she does not take any blame for defunding police and being a big part of why we have so few officers within the department. She is a socialist. She is just like Shama Sawant, but she doesn't get nearly the same amount of press coverage. But she is 
basically the same. They have the same insane views, dangerous views, fringe views. And, of course, she is shifting blame to the P- Seattle Police Department, which she defunded. I think given the number of officers that we have right now, if the chief uh, can reallocate where we what we have right now so that the areas that are needing more attention are getting it, that would be great. They all need more attention. That would be great as if we actually had enough cops. But we are down some 600 police officers since the BLM riots and rallies. She was a big part of it. A big part of why we have this crisis. And for her to say, oh, well, you know, we should just reprioritize. So tell me this, Tammy Morales, who pretends to care about this particular neighborhood. We've got people who are just randomly targeting Asian homeowners. It's not like happening on one particular block or an intersection. How do we police for that? I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm curious what your plan is. Oh, we should just reprioritize. Okay, let's say we put all the cops in the International District or South Seattle, whatever it is. What about every other neighborhood? Any ideas? Any ideas at all? No? Okay. These are folks who are vulnerable. These are folks who are being targeted. There's a local activist. Her name is Maria. She also spoke with Como TV. We are probably being targeted based on the stereotype that we're quiet we don't fight back, we're weak, and so forth. And which is absolutely the total opposite. I, I don't know how much of that is as accurate as it is. Asians have a tendency, I'm told, to keep cash in the household instead of putting them in banks. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've been told by members of the Asian community. And number two, uh, again, when you're elderly, I don't think this has anything to do with being Asian, but when you're elderly, you're more, more vulnerable. <laughs> that's, that's just life. Look at Joe Biden. Look at Mitch McConnell. Do you think that they could easily be robbed? I mean, take out so uh, like secret secure secret. Uh, what is it? Secret service agents. Push them aside. I mean, don't push them aside because then you'll get arrested. But you get my point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nothing's going to happen unless you boot Tammy Morales from office. You have an option with. Tanya Wu, I think her name is. She's honestly, she's just as crazy as Tammy Morales, but she does talk about the importance of having police. So that's the one thing that you can at least bank on. So that's, uh, you know. Haven't we had her on before? No, or she won't she say come no. on. I think she won't come on. Oh, okay. Because I'm conservative. That's my guess. That's my, that is my go-to excuse whenever someone says no. It can't possibly be because they don't find me charming and witty and just adorable in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I don't think she thinks those things about you at all. Well. I don't know. Well, I won't say that. No one's perfect. Push the button. What's trending? National. Danielle Outlaw, which is a great name if you are in law enforcement. She left Portland PD as its chief after some some significant failures due to just general challenges of Portland. Now, it wasn't necessarily due to anything she personally did or any decisions she made. Not really. I mean, this was she left before the BLM movement and she went over to Philadelphia. And in Philly, she became the police commissioner. But 
crimes have been going up. The numbers are startling. They're hitting records. They're setting records. And now she announced yesterday that she is leaving that post. She's headed for a new job with the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Now, it has been a total, total, total disaster in Philadelphia. I write about Philly a lot in my forthcoming book, What's Killing America, published by Center Street. They're the ones who paid me. It's available now for pre-order on Amazon, Walmart. Barnes & Noble actually is having a 25% off sale on the ebook and the audiobook for members if you want to check that out. But I write about Philly a lot. And like so many other cities run by the radical left, they saw a huge surge in crime. And because a lot of the crime is a result of policy decisions, I view them as crimes that were avoidable. So she goes there, and she then starts to deal with the city that has a George Soros-backed DA in Larry Krasner, a mayor in Jim Kenney who's very, very, very far to the left. And if you're in law enforcement, there's only so much that you're going to be able to do when the people around you are the reasons for the crime. There's nothing that you can do at some point when laws are being passed when policies are implemented or decisions are being made that undercut the work that you're trying to do. And you can look just at Larry Krasner. He's the kind of guy who does not pursue charges, who releases people from suffering any significant consequence in many crimes. He's that kind of DA, and then they end up back on the streets. So what are you supposed to do? And then, of course, you have just a ridiculous statement from Jim Kenney, the mayor, which explains why nothing ever gets better there. This is what he said in his statement about the crime surge in the context of Commissioner Outlaw. God, I love that name. Leaving for another job. This is what he said. As weak gun laws in Pennsylvania continue to allow illegal and legal guns to infiltrate our city. Legal guns infiltrate our city. Oh, my God. The commissioner and her team have stayed focused on new approaches to manage the gun violence crisis. So he lazily is arguing about gun laws. That's why you're seeing not just an increase in homicides, but you're seeing an increase in car theft. You're seeing a rise in rape and assault over the last several years because of the gun laws, the weak gun laws. Uh huh. Senator Bob Casey, Democrat. He says Outlaw had a very difficult job. Well, obviously, I had great respect for the, the work she did. It's a, about a, as hard a job as I can imagine to be uh, a police commissioner in a major American city, and I wish her well. Do you really wish her well, though? She is leaving you. Why do we do that? Just to pretend to be nice. But everyone sees through it, don't they? Or do we assume that when people give those kinds of farewells that they mean it? Because every once in a while you'll hear someone say, I, I sincerely mean this. I wish them the best in their next endeavor, even though they just abandoned us at the worst possible time, putting us in a really difficult spot. And I'm going to have to undo years of what it is you did to this department. But I, I sincerely hope she does well at Port of Authority, Port Authority, whatever. I don't know. I think most people see those kind of well wishes as completely meaningless and probably don't even pay attention to the comments. It's the equivalent. Go with me for a moment. 
Okay. It is the equivalent of asking on Monday, hey, how was your weekend? You don't care. You just want to talk about your weekend. So you're hoping they will ask in response. It's meaningless. And by the way, just a, a, a life hack or a tip in dealing with me, don't ask me how my weekend went if you think I'm going to respond by saying, oh, I did so-and-so and so-and-so. What would you do? I'm not going to ask how you what you did. How was your long I weekend? I don't ask you. I will, I will tell you what I did, but I will not follow up and say, what did you do this weekend? I will never I went do on that. a boat this weekend. I don't care. Fun. No, I don't care. But you could, now you I know. know. I, but now I don't you care. Know. I'm going to forget. I've already forgotten. Wow. I don't even know what we're talking about with you anymore. I don't remember your name. That's where we're at, Frank. That's where we're at. Okay, Max? <gasps> I remembered it. Wow. You're, oh. you're so good at this. I'm very good. Thank you so much for that compliment, Peyton. That means the world to me. So what she does now, I'm actually, we didn't... I, at least I haven't seen the position she's taking over at Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. I can't imagine it's going to be as high profile because even though I don't think she is necessarily to blame for any of the issues in Philadelphia, it is kind of difficult, I think, to leave a job where the data is as bad as it is. So here's just to give you the context, just on homicides, 2020 is when she took over. When she took over, there were 499 homicides. 2021, it was 562. And 2022 was 516. Now, 2021, if memory serves, was the record high for Philadelphia. And it barely dipped. Sorry, going from 562 to 516. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. And even when you go before that, just go before that. When you look at... 20, 2007 to 2019, it's fluctuated somewhere between 246 and 391 homicides. So very clearly they're headed in the wrong direction. And again, not her fault. But I don't know how often a politician, especially if you're a Democrat, who Democrats are in power in both New York and New Jersey, how you can justify hiring someone like her in a big position, in a, a comparable position, and then defend the stats because they're not going to be able to come back and say, well, it's due to, in fairness to uh, Commissioner Outlaw, it's due to radical left policies that were implemented by people in my own party. They're not going to say that. So I wonder if they just completely ignore that kind of gig and maybe with a wink and a nod say, okay, take this one job. It's still high up. We're still paying you more than you're worth. And then we'll put you into a better position. I do wonder. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending on the campaign trail? She got the job after being appointed to the Arlington City Council, and now she wants a full term, and she's hoping that you will support her. Joining me on the line is Councilmember Yvonne Gallardo Van Ornum. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's always an, an interesting position when you are appointed to a role like City Council. There's this assumption that you are now the the true incumbent and you get all the benefits of that, but that's not always the case. You actually have to work to make sure that you get the support. Why is it you want to continue serving? You know, I just have lived here in Arlington for about 20 years, and I really just love this town. Um, we we came here early with our when I was still pregnant, and our son was born here, our daughter's from here, you know, obviously from here. We both 
just my husband and I just both feel very strongly about supporting our community and just doing what's best for what our kids are going to see in the future. One issue that I remember talking about before the sort of narrative about the rise in juvenile crime actually got a lot of attention was specifically in Arlington, not, not quite the, the violent crime that we've seen with, with uh, juveniles that we've seen in Tacoma, but you were dealing in your city with just basically a bunch of hooligans, right, who were just taking over after school. They were wandering uh, the streets and they were causing all sorts of problems. Whether it's that or a rise in break-ins and car theft, every city has been impacted. I know you do some work with the Arlington Police Department. What do you see as one of the underlying reasons why this crime crisis has taken hold in Washington? I don't think we're very unique in that with um, compared to other cities. I think it's probably about the same reason as everybody else. It's The laws have changed. You know, in some cases, the police just haven't been supported in the right way um, to be able to serve our community Mm -hmm. the best that they can. Um, And I think as things have, obviously, now things have changed. Things are being adjusted. Um, And I I truly believe that our public, our police department, Arlington specifically, um, have done a great job of showing their support to the community. I mean, Fridays, there are nonprofits that are going out into downtown, working with local businesses and putting on events so that these students, school-age kids have a place to hang out, be somewhere safe. We have city staff. The police are always available there with the, with, this organ, with these organizations, helping be a part of the community, not just, you know, they're not, they're not just this thing that people see out there. They're, they're, they're individuals. Yeah, it's so proactive policing, right? I mean, it's it's actually getting yeah. into the into the community and having relationships. I guess, and I I think a lot of that has helped our community, specifically Arlington, right? Um, helped us, and I think it has brought a lot down. I know that we still see it. I know their businesses are still complaining, but um, I just I don't necessarily think that it's any higher here than anywhere else, and I I truly believe that that. That partnership with the police, with the city, with the, these new nonprofits, these small business owners, I I feel safe. I mean, my daughter walks downtown on Fridays. In fact, she's going to be down there this weekend, you know. So I, we are a safe community. Arlington you know. is, is one of two cities in Snohomish County that rejected a fire levy, a, a levy that would have come from property tax increases. There's obviously a reason why there were requests for these funds, and I totally understand why any community would say no to any additional property taxes or any taxes whatsoever. What what level of concern do you have that the Snohomish County Fire District, I think it's 21 with you guys, will be unprepared for any crisis? Um. You know, that one's a little bit tougher. I think that one's a little bit harder to to wrap my head around sometimes, too. I, the fire levy is definitely a, a subject that I, I need a little bit more help understanding and getting a little more education on. Um, but from what I have heard and what our fire department has presented to us, um, just I think right now at this moment, it's a lot of just the time is going to be a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to be... We're not going to be where residents want us to be, you know, in a three-minute turnaround. It might be a six-minute call. 
Um, and so that's, that's my concern that we're not going to be there as fast, or I'm sorry, not me, but like the fire department or will not be there fast enough to meet the needs of, or the wants of the community. But I mean, that also is part of why they need to approve these levies. Yeah. At the same time, just from an economic standpoint, Arlington is competing with other similar sized cities for new yeah. business. And Amazon just opened the largest fulfillment center in the state. If, if it's not fully open, I, I think this week it's or this month it's supposed to be fully open. I know they did the soft launch last month. When, when you look at a decision like that from Amazon and the jobs it brings and just the economic activity, we're, do you look at this and say, okay, this is because we did X, Y, and Z at the council level to encourage businesses to pick us instead of, again, similar sized businesses that can handle these kinds of warehouses? I think, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, traffic is always going to be the issue, but yeah. I, I'm excited. I mean, the grand opening is next is this month and, you know, going around and seeing what they're doing and how they're, I keep seeing the signs out about hiring. Um mm-hmm. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to help a lot of individuals that are looking for 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 work here locally that don't want to drive and be a part of that traffic anymore heading south. So I'm ex- I mean I'm I'm excited at some level. Yeah, more jobs <laughs> better for a community. Yep. There's no doubt about that. And sure, yes, it comes with some added traffic. I feel like uh Arlington could probably handle uh, at least right now the uh, the potential influx of cars on the roads due specifically to this project. But we wish you the best of luck in planning around that and planning growth for the city of Arlington. I know it's one of those cities that a lot of folks have been looking towards saying, yeah, I can't afford to live in Seattle or even Everett. I don't want that kind of lifestyle anymore, but I want to be close enough to it. And they, they turn mm-hmm. to cities like Arlington. So we wish you the best of luck as you're running for Arlington City Council re-election. Yvonne Gallardo Van Ornum, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for getting to learn a little bit about me. Yeah, absolutely. Her website, by the way, is electyvongallardo.com. Y-V-O-N-N-E is how you spell Yvonne. Electyvongallardo.com. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. When we come back, it's time for The Big Local. Mercer Island, Des Moines. This is the Big Local on the Jason Ranch Show. Shoreline, Woodenville, Erie. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Hey, look at that, 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the Big Local, brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services. They are online at alpineclean.com. It's a part of the show where we completely ignore the stories coming out of Seattle and instead focus on the communities you live in and care about most. We start in Monroe, where there was an early smash and grab over at Armageddon Arms. Happened a little bit before 5. Como says they were able to review photos and video from the scene, and it shows significant damage to the front of the building. And a white Hyundai Hyundai Tucson with California plates in the parking lot that was left running. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. On this one, okay, because th- this is definitely uh, one of those rare instances. But I seem to recall a story very similar to this, maybe three years ago or three hours ago. I'm gonna guess the car was used to drive through the storefront. What makes you think that? A hunch, you know. Sometimes 
we have hunches. Those of us who work in the media and cover these these beats, and I I'm on the the crime beat oftentimes, and I'm just I'm just gonna I can't confirm, but I also can't deny that that's what happened. Monroe PD Sergeant Chuck Fuller said these are the kinds of cases that are really difficult to solve. It's difficult. It's not easy. And we bring in detectives and we have our uh, detective sergeant out here right now. But what are they supposed to do? It's a stolen vehicle. The getaway vehicle was undoubtedly also stolen. I'm assuming they were covering their face. This is not very easy for them to solve. They'll obviously get a better understanding of what kind of firearms were stolen and that might be able to track down if any of them are sold on the black market i guess and they don't even know or at least as of this morning they didn't know they said several different styles and makes of guns were stolen during this burglary now ron is someone who lives nearby and of course like so many other people when they experience crime in their neighborhoods they're wondering why why are you doing this it's a shame that uh that people resort to those kind of measures you know to get something they should probably shouldn't have mm, yeah but please tell us the gun law that you're going to implement jay Inslee or bob ferguson or insert democrat name because anytime that a gun is used by a bad guy in illicit acts and this case is a perfect example Some of those criminals will either personally use the guns that they stole or give them to other criminals to use. And the response to that, when they finally inevitably use that weapon, the response will be, oh, we got to we got to get these guns off the streets. Let's talk about more gun control. We just want sensible gun control laws. All we want are universal background checks. Sure, we already background check people here, but we want more of it. How will that stop this from happening again? I'm just kind of curious. Is it possible that a way to get the illicit guns off the street, the ones that are stolen from shops like Armageddon Arms, is to, I don't know, just go with me again. This might be a little bit controversial. Uh, Put bad guys in jail and keep them there. Allow cops to pursue in instances in which there are these kinds of smash and grabs. Just, again... I'm not saying it's going to work. It is a little crazy and out there to put a bad guy in jail and actually have them stay there for some time. But we we should be willing to try. Have an open mind is all I'm saying. Have an open mind. Meanwhile, in Bremerton, the city council in about an hour from now, they will be debating and then voting on a camping ban, a homeless camping ban where on public rights of ways, you are not allowed to be camped out in your tent, in your cardboard box, in your sleeping bag, if there is any kind of shelter available nearby. So basically, we're getting the same kind of ordinance that we've seen all across Washington state. We're going to see it soon in Spokane. We've already, we're already seeing it where in, I think, Federal Way, Auburn, Everett, Burian, right? I think Burian. I can't remember if they officially passed it. But everyone's basically coming to the same conclusion, some more slowly than others. This Como story, giving just a little bit of a preview, seems to indicate they think it's poised to pass. Then you'll get the activists in the community pretending that we are 
You're criminalizing homelessness. They're just trying to survive. You're making it illegal to exist. Those are the lines that we often get from people who seem disinterested in bringing folks indoors. But instead, we're being told all about the the need for compassion. We have to have compassion. And that means leaving people out on the streets surrounded by human waste and filth and used needles and trash but we're not going to sweep them because you might throw away their belongings. This is their belongings. It's illegal to survive. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Meanwhile, we're the ones trying to push people into shelter. You're the one keeping them out. Throwing it out there. Now, Evergreen and Camus teachers are still on strike. They want more money. They pretend that this is all about kids. They pretend, oh, we just want smaller class sizes, which I read as... You want to do less work, but you also still want more money. It's weird how that works. And now for 30,000 students in these two districts, a week of instruction has been lost. A full week. And of course, they know that that damages kids. The teachers who are on strike. They 100% they know that this harms kids. And all they have to do is turn to the Battleground Public School District because they're going through the exact same issue with the teachers' union wanting to get a better contract. They're negotiating while also working, which is the way that you're supposed to do it. You negotiate in good faith, and you act in good faith, which means you're not leveraging the pain and suffering of children so you can get a little bit more money. And the Battleground School District, kudos to them. Kudos to the teachers' unions there. I mean, eventually they'll go out on strike and then I'll call them out. But at this point, at least, they're not doing that. And they're doing... They're taking a high road, maybe. If you're the Camus teachers or Evergreen teachers. They might think of it that way. But there was a report in the Colombian that said Marie Glusenkamp-Perez... The Democrat congresswoman, she stopped by the picket line to show support for the teachers union this week. She was there also to speak with state representative Monica Stonier, Democrat from Vancouver, who happens to also be a Pacific middle school teacher. And Perez put out a statement and it said, I think that public school teachers should be among the highest paid professionals in our country, not struggling to make rent or unable to get a mortgage. I just looked up Evergreen. Their teachers there make to start $67,000 and as much as $122,000. So why don't you spare me with this? I can't afford to live here. You can't afford to live in Clark County off of that amount? Seriously, we're supposed to pretend that that's a a low wage? Just let's go with $67,000. I think that's higher than the median average statewide of workers. So you mean to tell me? That you can't afford rent where? I know prices have gone up a little bit in Vancouver, but where, Kelso, you can't, Longview, are we pretending you can't afford rent there or a mortgage? What are the costs of, of houses there now? Maybe I missed it. Maybe it's just out of control. Everyone, I did see that story. Everyone rushing to live in Camas. Like, you know where I want, I lived my entire life. All I've ever wanted was a house in Kelso. Kelso and Longview. I want it to be on the border. I want it's it to be nice down there. I'm not saying it's not nice, but it's not expensive. No. Not not to this degree. 
right? That this is outrageous. You, you, if you read that statement, you might assume that these teachers make like thirty-one grand. That, that's how it reads. I think public school teachers should be among the highest paid professionals in the country. What about private school teachers? Should they be a part of that too? Or just the public schools because they have unions? Isn't that kind of odd? Why not just say teachers if that's what you believe? And by the way, sorry, I don't believe that teachers should be among the highest paid. They should be paid what they're worth. They do incredible work, but also some of them are crummy. And I'm also not going to pretend that a first grade teacher should be paid the same as a teacher for seniors in high school. There are different skill levels involved. There's more knowledge for one group. They're important, and a bad teacher can decimate kids, and a great teacher can inspire at all levels. But it's not the same amount of work. Now, maybe you want to argue it's harder to handle the first graders than the senior. Okay, well, then give them more money. I'm just saying that there is a difference between both of those. And someone who's been doing the job for a year and a half, sorry, no, they shouldn't automatically be paid the like the most that they possibly can. I kind of think that, I don't know, let's just throw out some professions that should actually get paid this much. Doctors, police, firefighters, talk show hosts, give it to them because that Radio at least makes producers. sense. No, I said important jobs. It's all, oh my God. And then finally, no surprises here. We told you this was going to happen. Joe Kennedy is now leaving Bellingham High School as the assistant Bremerton. Coach. Bremerton, excuse me. I always say Bellingham, Bremerton High School. And what's curious here is, all, and again, these are all technically correct, but I feel misleading, or not misleading. The headlines I'm seeing are kind of snarky, I think. They say, uh, what's his name? Joe Kennedy leaves Bremerton after just one game. Doesn't that seem snarky, like he didn't want to fight for anything? He's just giving up? No, the dude moved to Florida. He moved to Florida. This has been going on for almost a decade, this fight. He just got his job back. I think, what right, wasn't it like 2015 when this all started? What was he supposed to just hang around and hope he keeps an assistant coach job? The reason why he took his case to the Supreme Court, ultimately was because of the importance of our right to pray, to believe in a God, to believe in a religion. The Establishment Clause of the First Amendment does not tell us that you cannot pray silently on campus, whether you're a teacher or otherwise. You're allowed to do that. People mistake the separation of church and state, which is a phrase that people throw out having no clue where that came from, Oh, it's in the Constitution. They don't understand the Establishment Clause. I guarantee you no one even knows what the Establishment Clause is if I just ask some random person. I could have asked you. You didn't know. It establishes... A clause? Yeah. They don't know, but they're spewing this stuff out. Like, you can't even say God. That's No, that's, that's not true. That's not how it works. The government cannot establish a religion. The government cannot give special privileges to one religious group over another. It doesn't mean you can't even utter an idea that is somehow connected to a religion. That's not how it works. But people don't know any better because they're not as smart as me. And 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 you. Yeah. I mean, not you. I'm talking to the listeners. Not you. You got my hopes up for a second. Yeah, no. Sorry, Peyton. When we come back, you get to pick the news. Two stories. You text me which one I should discuss. Story number one. Karine Jean-Pierre 
gets upset and flustered when reporters started asking her about COVID tests for Joe Biden or story number two. A Duke professor is asked to give one of the quarterbacks a homework extension after an upset over Clemson. What does the the professor say? Are we going to pretend that, oh, this is athlete privilege? Oh, my God. You tell me. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts. 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to Jason Rancho. You pick the topic on the Jason Rand Show. Oh, indeed you do. And you went with a sports story that I probably won't understand, at least the sports side of things, but I'll understand everything else. So there's a team, Duke, and they play football. And they've got a quarterback by the name of Riley Leonard. And he led his team to its biggest win in modern history. On Monday night, according to CBS Sports. They were playing against Clemson. Now, I will say, when you tell me it was the biggest win, I'm expecting a higher result than 28-7. In terms of impact. Uh, if you're going to say your biggest win. Uh, it's a, it's a, that's a pretty big win. That's a pretty monumental win for a program like Duke. If you're going to say a big win. It should be a higher score. If you want to say an upset, right, or the most meaningful, right, okay, you can give me 28-7. No, not big, okay? 28-7 is nothing. It's like a normal, it seems like it's just a normal game. I don't know, they won by three touchdowns. No. They were probably two or touchdown underdogs. Or did the other team lose by three touchdowns? Uh, literally both. Just saying. So, Riley Leonard had an issue. He was probably thinking he'd be over and done. Maybe I'm not even going to start. Is he a starter? Yeah, he's a, like a highly regarded draft For prospect. For some reason, he ha- in his mind, he was all like, I just don't like myself today. I'm probably not going to start. I'll just do my homework on the bench. But they were all like, hey, kid, you're in. You're starting today, like every other game. Really, coach? Yeah, you've been you're our starter, dummy. Oh, I just I didn't think I was gonna. So he plays. He realizes, oh, I've got homework that's due. And so during the post game interview he did on the ACC network, he said this: Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight. I think it's twelve, so it may already be twelve. That is hysterical. Well, the professor. Decided to respond also in video form. Hey, Riley, great game last night, man. It was so exciting. Congratulations to you and all your teammates. But, you know, Wesley Williams and the other linemen who were in the class, they said they prepared ahead and did it ahead of time. So why didn't the quarterback? So no way, man. No extension. So that's funny. It's cute. I am kind of curious whether or not he actually did, because that's all a bit. Did he get the extension? You think Riley Leonard's actually doing his own assignments? Yeah, why did he just say I did my assignment? Give it to some, give it to the water boy. Yeah. Right? Give it I, to some, you go to Duke, you're going to be able to find someone who's intelligent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like and who will probably look up to you. It's like, "Oh, it's whatever your name is, Riley Gaines." Uh It's Riley Leonard. 
Do you think he got the extension? Because the only thing that this story reminded me of, and again, the video response is clearly having fun. I, I am imagining he did, in fact, give him a little bit of an extension. But th- there's there's this weird response by some people, whether we're talking about college or high schools, where they don't think jocks deserve just a little bit of leeway, just a little bit of privilege. And I wholly reject that. I do think that they're deserving of some privilege. And that includes getting an extra day to turn in their homework. Now, you might say, why? Just because they play football? Yeah, because that's likely all they have. For a lot of these kids, let's be honest, this is all that they have. They have to do this in order to, if it's at the high school level, perform well enough to get a college scholarship and turning in that one homework assignment one day before you otherwise could have given them that that little leeway is not going to matter, but that scholarship does. And then once they're in college, some of the, not all of them, obviously, but some of these kids, this is also all they have. And they have to try to get drafted into whether it's the NFL, the MLB, whatever it happens to be. That's what they have. And so why is there so much hate other than because you're not athletic, right? And that's always kind of felt like the underlying reason someone gets mad. You're out of shape. You know your life's going to suck. Why don't you just give them a little bit of a chance? My God. Oh, but then can I get an extra eight? No, get another talent, and then maybe I'll feel bad for you. You're not busting your butt playing football hoping to get someone's attention. You're just on Tinder hoping to get someone's attention. It's the Jason Rancho.